0: finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply.
1: But I remember sitting, I took a commuter bus into my job and I remember sitting like, okay, what if my thoughts created my results? And so you can put anything in your thought line, right? You can put anything into your mindset. And so if you had the thought, I want to at least be bringing home 10K a month, right? $10,000 a month, your brain would then naturally start to think of ways that you could do that. Do you want to have a monthly garage sale? Do you want to start doing yoga teacher training on the side to make it? additional income that way? Do you want to start a coaching business? Your brain will then start to think about ways that you can do that.
0: Welcome to everyone's talking money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. What if your thoughts create your results? Wait, let's try that again. What if your thoughts create your results? Wow. (laughs) I have to sit with that for a minute. That's a powerful question for me because I have had this lifelong relationship with negative thinking and really just creating my own money drama. It's so easy for me to think of something positive, but behind every positive thought is like this nagging negative thought. What if it doesn't work out? What if I'm not good enough? What if it all falls apart? Do I really deserve this? All right, please tell me I'm not alone in this kind of train wreck thinking. Here's the kicker though, as our guest, DL Sharon, certified life coach and seven figure sales expert and host of the Black Banked and Booked Out podcast says, you gotta first have the courage to even put that big thought in your brain and help self coach yourself to success. Now, DL, she's an entrepreneurial powerhouse. We started the conversation by talking about her strong belief that entrepreneurship is the key to emancipation and why this even matters. But whether you're an entrepreneur, a nine-to-fiver, or a stay-at-home parent, you're going to find a lot of life-changing advice in this episode, including how to simplify your thoughts around money, the keys to self-coaching yourself, common money mindset blocks, five money questions to ask yourself right now and ways to have both a profitable side hustle and a nine-to-five job with ease, if that's your jam. Before we jump into this conversation, I have got a big goal I need to share with you. We are hitting our thousandth episode soon, and to celebrate it, I've got this big goal to hit a thousand reviews on Apple Podcasts. We're only about 400 reviews short, but that's where you come in. If you could spare 60 seconds, leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts or follow the link in the show notes to jump over there quickly. Thanks a million in advance and thanks for the thousand in advance too. All right, let's start talking. I have been a lifelong entrepreneur. I started my first business actually when I was in college, but I joke to people that I kind of came out of the womb an entrepreneur, <laughs> and I, I just always am somebody who is coming up with ideas and always wanting to kind of change the status quo. A lot of my ideas, of course, kind of fall by the wayside, but I think that's the fun part of being an entrepreneur is there's this curiosity aspect, and I just I just love it. And so I'm really excited to talk to you about all things entrepreneurship and you know, when I was thinking about our conversation, I was of reading over your website, and you say this this quote, I, I have to talk about this, that entrepreneurship is the key to emancipation. And I really agree with that. I think, you know, looking at entrepreneurship as a way to build wealth is one of the the best ways, one of the best kind of buckets of of wealth building. And I, I was really excited when i read this on your website as as one of your mantras because i think it's the kind of empowerment that women of color need that that women just in general need and to me i think you know this idea of emancipation it really is about about independence about doing things differently breaking the status quo building wealth breaking free all of this you know tell me a little bit about what does this mean to you
1: absolutely so I first got introduced uh, to the entrepreneurship community and just the idea of entrepreneurship when I was a social worker working at Duke University for $2,500 a month. I had a full-time job. I got my, you know, the best master's in social work degree in the country, one of the top schools, and I was stuck financially. I was completely stuck. I thought maybe I'll go get my PhD. I thought about going to get my PhD and I was completely overwhelmed by the whole process and I didn't want to get into more debt. I had about $200,000 of student loans at the time, so a lot of debt and I didn't want to get into more. And so I thought about entrepreneurship and I got into it by network marketing. Actually, I saw someone talking about their entrepreneurship venture and network marketing. And that's how I first get, uh, got into the industry. And then I realized really quickly, I don't think this is for me, right? Like, I don't <laughs> think this is for me.
0: It's I'll a pass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not
1: not the best. Yeah. And I, I do say that network marketing is a great gateway drug, right? Like, it's a great opportunity to know about making additional income outside of your nine to five. But I realized very quickly that it wasn't for me. And then that is where I found the coaching industry. And I decided to use my skills as a social worker and become a life coach. And now I'm a sales coach for other women of color who want to learn how to create their own wealth through entrepreneurship. And so to answer your question, the thing that I love about entrepreneurship and emancipation is it was It just really afforded me opportunities that I have never been able to have if I still had my own job, if I still was employed through Duke University or another employer. The opportunity to have no income cap, I didn't have to negotiate my salary as an entrepreneur, I didn't have to put any limits to my income has been revolutionary for me. So it has truly emancipated me in more ways than I could ever dream of.
0: Obviously, we've seen quite a shift from 2020 and the, you know, the pandemic and this wave of uh, really looking at our lives and and what do we want to do with our lives? You know, I think the question of legacy really came up from a lot of people. What do I, you know, when do I want to leave on this world? And, and just, you know, do I want to spend time working for a company or organization, whatever it might be for whoever's listening that I don't. Love or that, you know, I don't feel really empowers me. But I think, you know, on the other side of the coin, there's also this fear about entrepreneurship. It can be really scary. I know I have a friend right now who left a very lucrative corporate job at the end of last year and started her home business. And you know, is is going through some of the process that a lot of us entrepreneurs go through of, of questioning, you know, was this the right decision? Am I charging enough? Am I not charging enough? Uh, did I do the right thing? You know, what should I do? How much time should I work? How many, you know, all the questions that I think people really run through. But, you know, there can also be a balance, I think, where we could still have a nine to five job. And we could also have some of the entrepreneur lifestyle, whether it's side hustles or whatever it might be. So I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit more about you know the the landscape and 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 the fear around entrepreneurship. and I mean, is there a way to balance this all?
1: Absolutely. I think about my own story where I side hustled for two and a half years before I went full time. And I think that's interesting too. Like we hear all these stories around people who got the idea and then quit their job immediately and went all force in and they lived off of ramen and like they just kind of toughed it out. And those stories are super, super inspiring, but definitely not for everyone, right? Not for the average day person who has bills or responsibilities or people to take care of. So I side hustled for Two and a half years to make sure that this was my next step. And so I definitely think there is a wave of people who want to know how to do both and just don't want their job to be the main source of income. They want to diversify their income. This could also look like real estate. I know Airbnb had a really big boom where several people were getting Airbnbs. So it could look like so many different things in order to supplement that income. But I would say like there's kind of three camps. I would say it's that entrepreneur who kind of learned about entrepreneurship, got the idea and then jumped full force. And then it's those people who have kind of side hustled for a while and then actually made that transition into full-time entrepreneurship, whether that was real estate, whether that was coaching, or what if they created a service like a wedding planner or a photographer, or they created their own product. And then I think the other set of people who really learned about entrepreneurship and they decided, okay, I want to know okay, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't know if I want to do this full time. And so they've just always juggled both. And so I think those are the those are the three people who have kind of gone into those different places and how you can still have entrepreneurship be a part of your wealth building strategy.
0: And then another part of your brand is that you teach that the right mindset can move mountains. And I think that's a really great quote for us to see, but to actually put that in in action steps where, you know, it moves us forward, I'd I'd love for the, you to dive a little bit into because you know, mindset is something I talk about a lot on the show. I believe that the mindset and that so many more factors than just what you're thinking has a really direct impact on what you do with your money and how intentional you are. And I mean, we're all gonna make money mistakes. We're all gonna spend irrationally and splurge. I mean, that's just the fun part about human nature. But for me, it was really a light bulb moment when many years ago, I realized like, wow, like what I'm thinking actually does have a direct impact on what is happening. Like that's just seems too simple. Like it just, can't be that that easy. So, you know, how do we start to shift our mindset so that it can, can create a place where we do move mountains?
1: 100%. I think mindset is super important. Exactly what you said. And it is a little mind-boggling, like it's a little mind-boggling I think how much control we have over our mind and then therefore how much control we have over our results when it comes to our finances. And so I think one of the biggest things that I learned when I was first in my entrepreneurial journey that was helping me make a lot of money while side hustling was the the philosophy or the idea that thoughts create your results. And it's a coaching term. It's a coaching philosophy. Um, but thoughts create your results? Like what if everything that you were thinking ended up having a result and that result could be neutral, that result could be positive or that result could be negative, right? And those are all relative. You can determine what's positive. You can determine what's negative. But I remember sitting, I took a commuter bus into my job and I remember sitting like, okay, what if my thoughts created my results? And so you can put anything in your thought line, right? You can put anything into your mindset. And so if you had the thought I want to at least be bringing home 10K a month, right? $10,000 a month. Your brain will then naturally start to think of ways that you could do that. Do you want to have a monthly garage sale? Do you want to start doing yoga teacher training on the side to make an additional income that way? Do you want to start a coaching business? Your brain will then start to think about ways that you can do that. But you first, I think, have to find the courage to even put that in your mind, right? You first have to even have the courage to even dream up whatever that is i think mindset work takes a lot of courage we're often afraid to even say things to ourselves right like yes. to say things <laughs> in our quiet space like to even write them out in a journal so i think the first step of mindset work is figuring out what do you really want what are you actually afraid to ask yourself or afraid to even admit to yourself admit to others loved ones a partner that you live with like i will never forget I was talking to my husband. I was like, I think I want to be a coach in the online coaching industry. I think I want to do this full time. He's like, are you crazy? Like, look at all the money that you spent going to school to be a social worker. Why give all that up? And so that can take a lot of courage to even admit that you have a bigger dream.
0: And I I mean, I do this all the time. Like, How often do we have that dream and then we talk ourselves out of it? Like, We don't even breathe it into reality. We go straight to the place of like, well, that's never going to happen. That's really crazy and outlandish. So I'm just going to get rid of that thought altogether it happens
1: all the time, right? And that's just our brain's mechanism of keeping us safe. It wants comfort, it wants control, it likes the expected, what you've already done. And so a new idea or a new thought, all of your fears are going to come up, all of them are going to surface. And then that's what self-coaching practices can help you do. That's what journaling practices can help you do. That's what talking with someone, if it's a therapist, if it's another coach, if it's just a mentor, if it's a friend who's on a similar journey, to make sure that you tell your brain, this is and crazy. We aren't crazy for thinking this and this actually aligns with our bigger goals and values.
0: So then how do we deal, like how do we then practically self-coach ourselves from the place of, okay, I've got this idea. It might feel really big. It might feel really outlandish. I've got this idea, but how do I then move and actually take some action to see if that is actually an idea that could come to fruition?
1: One hundred percent, um, I think of self-coaching as if I was my own coach. So if we think about like a sports coach, if we think about like a tutoring coach, if we think about a performance coach or a leadership coach, um, we've all interacted with coaches in our lives. And so how can you be your own coach? How can you be the main person who is supporting you and mentoring you? And I think it starts off with 10 to 15 minute conversations you have with yourself a day, right? Where you're like, okay, what would an outside person tell me about the situation? And Outside person's voice is often a lot more confident, a lot more certain, and a lot more reassuring and nurturing than our own self critical voices. So that's really what self coaching can help us do. It can help us tap into that higher version of ourselves that believes in us and that sees that the path is going to happen. And so it all just starts with asking ourselves some questions. And I have like five money questions that I like to ask myself when it comes to my money. They're a little like touching like several different areas of money, but I think they could be interesting to explore. Um, Does that sound okay? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's go for it.
1: Yeah. So the first one is like, what if what's in my bank account is within my control? I I always like asking myself that question, especially back in the day when my bank account was in the negative. (laughs) I would always ask myself (laughs) that question, like, what if what's in my bank account is in my control? And I think especially in the nine to five mindset, we think that our paycheck is the only thing that we're going to get, right? We think that's the only way for us to make money when there's so many options on the table, we can get a promotion, we could get a different job, we can have so many different side hustles. And so what if what's in my bank account is in my control is the first question,
0: and I think that's I think that's really interesting because control I think sometimes can we can make that into a negative word instead of making it empowering you know I was just talking to somebody and I was talking about this idea that we can change our narrative around money versus you know versus our narrative kind of dragging us around and pulling us back and so I love this idea of looking at control from a different perspective and looking at it as something that will propel us forward, not something that is, you know, bad or negative or whatever sort of connotations we might have in our head as, as control. Uh, I think that's a really interesting way to, to look at money and to think about self-coaching us in that direction.
1: Yeah. And I think the key difference is like my control. And so we have like other things that are at control, but what is in your control? What is in your um, realm of influence? What is something in action that you can take if you don't change something? Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Hit us with number two.
1: Number two. This one's about debt. Um, And this is a little controversial, but it's what if debt doesn't hurt me emotionally?
0: I'm a big fan of that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is this narrative and this landscape that we have to be debt-free and that if we're debt-free, that equals we are fill in the blank, good person, good with our money, serving the world right, But blah, 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 you know, whatever it is for you individually, I think, I think that we definitely need to get over that, that thinking that debt is automatically a bad, a bad thing.
1: Yeah, it freed me so much when I had $200,000 of student loans and I could feel every dollar on my shoulder, right? I could feel the weight of that and exactly what you said. We've been told to be debt free. We've been told that we have to like pay it off right away. And I will never forget, I was looking at my debt on a computer and I was staring at the screen and I was just like, they're just numbers. I've been acting like they're going to jump off the screen and attack me at night, like the boogeyman, right? Like when I realize, oh, they're just going to live on the screen and I'm going to pay my minimum balance and they're going to just be here. Right. And I think people might say, well, I want to buy a house or what if I can't qualify for the car loan? And I was in that situation, too, where I couldn't afford certain things but I was able to move forward with the things that I could afford. And I moved forward with taking the bus when my car broke down, right? And I was able to going back to control, still navigate and live the life that I wanted within my control, even though it wasn't my dream life. And so I really had to, in order to pay off the debt, I had to like stop making the debt feel like something that was attacking me, that was harming me. And I had to ask myself, what if the debt didn't hurt me?
0: And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's monarchmone dot slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. And how did you, like, after you made that statement, you know, the the debt is just numbers, it's just on a piece of paper. How did you then kind of proactively start to attack that debt? Was, you know, being an entrepreneur and kind of stepping into this new world, was that really an aha moment of, oh, I could actually radically change this debt?
1: One hundred percent. Yes. And I think when I was building my business and I kind of was worrying about the debt, I wouldn't sell. I wouldn't promote. I wouldn't make any sales because I was so worried about the debt. But once I realized that the debt literally couldn't physically hurt me at night like a boogeyman, I then had capacity. I then had space to think about sales. It wasn't something that I was ruminating over and like causing so much anxious energy over every single day. And so that helped me significantly once I realized that the debt wasn't going to hurt me. That helped me shift my focus to what's in my control how much money I have in my bank account.
0: And I know from being an entrepreneur too, I can get in this really unhealthy line of thinking around money where maybe a contract falls through or a sponsor for the podcast falls through or not enough people are um, coming into my my program or whatever it might be, right? We could fill it in with anything And then what happens is I get down this spiral of really thinking negatively about myself, not wanting to do any work, feeling really just kind of frozen, like not sure what the right decision is. And it's taken me a long time to learn that I have to counteract that when I'm in that place because I can't make good decisions when I feel frozen or stuck or I'm you know, breaking myself down. And I think it's it's just so hard. And this is why I love talking about this emotional side of money and, and self coaching yourself, because it is so hard and sometimes so counterintuitive to how we're just kind of automatically um, supposed to think about money.
1: Yes, it's hardwired in us, right? And especially when you are making the shift from employee to entrepreneur, whether you're side hustling or full-time, there are so many ways that we've been taught about money in this very fixed way, right? Where if we don't get a paycheck, we're not gonna be safe. But exactly what you're saying, but sponsorships are not paycheck. Uh, coaching income is not paycheck. You are allowed to create your own income as an entrepreneur. And so that's where that freedom piece and that emancipation piece comes in. Number three, how can I feel safe regardless of what's in my bank account?
0: Mm, That is a really good one too. That Wow, that shakes to the core, I think, for me and probably for a lot of people. I'm like a weird projector where I'm always like, you know, looking at these numbers, well, if this plus this plus that plus that, and then this much comes out, and then that much comes out, like how many money, you know, like, I'm always doing this like, you know, Jenga with with money. And it's just another, I think, for me, like another blockade that stops me from doing what I'm supposed to be doing and leave the numbers, like you said, they're not the boogeyman, like leave them aside, even if they are really good. I found that Most people, we tend to turn it into a negative scenario or we tend to kind of turn it into like doom and gloom scenario, even when there's no evidence of that actually happening. So, wow, I just think that one's so powerful. Yeah.
1: Safety is huge for all of us, right? Like exactly. We make it negative. We make it complicated. And I think it's because money is primal, right? Money is primal and it can really impact how we walk and how we move within the world and our daily experience. And so like if we can just off the top, always believe that we're safe with money, always believe that we're okay with money, then we have the capacity to earn more.
0: Do you have any like mantras or like a morning routine or anything that you kind of walk yourself through to just put yourself in the right place from kind of the get-go? I think
1: gratitude is super, super helpful. And gratitude, even when money is not going the way that you want, like I remember where I was expecting a client similar to you, I was expecting a client to pay me and it didn't happen. And I just remember thinking, well, I'm grateful to have my home. I'm grateful to have the food in my fridge. I'm grateful for the very, very small things, right? And I think that reminds our nervous systems that we do have safety, right? We do have safety, even if it's small. And even if we don't always feel like we do have it consistently in this moment, we are safe. So I think gratitude, and then I think presence. I think so much when it comes to money, it's future focus. We're worried about, are we gonna have enough for the future? Are we gonna have enough in a couple of months? It's so future focused but something I always try to ground myself in is the present moment, which is, am I safe now? Am I safe in this season? Am I safe in this moment of us even listening to this podcast? Are you safe now? That helps our nervous systems feel a lot more grounded. All right, what's next? Number four, which is, where can I believe that I can always make more money?
0: Hmm. Wow. Okay. I like this one. Where can I believe that I can always make more money? Because I'm thinking that just having that belief probably does a lot for your brain, probably does a lot for your nervous system, and probably like puts you in a place where I would imagine then you start to see what the next steps might be. Right. Yes. And it
1: just helps us understand that our income is never fixed it's never ever fixed there is always a new op- there's always a new opportunity to learn more there's always a new chance to connect with someone to give you a new place to think of a new idea or a new service that there's always money available and the only thing that i find that stops clients community members from actually doing and getting that money is creativity And so I think this question opens up creativity for us to be like, how could I get creative if I'm making money in this one way and it's providing an income, but it's stopping me from providing the income that I want to make? How can I get creative? What if I believe that there was always more money to make?
0: We had a guest on the show. He's been on a couple of times. His name is Ken Honda, and he uh, wrote this amazing book and he talks about this idea of money flow. Of, of thinking about money like a like a river that just, you know, money flows in, money flows out. Like it's a, it's a natural process to happen with money, but that we oftentimes will put up the dam <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll stop the flow of money and that we really have more control and power over that than we actually think, even if we're working a nine to five job and we have sort of a set salary, you know there's i think also a mindset we can get into in that situation where we think well this is my amount of income and until i have the talk with my my boss and you know maybe i get a raise maybe i don't get a raise that my salary isn't going to change but to really open yourself up to this idea that you you are more in control than you think and that money can be like this really nice flowing river i mean to me it just makes me feel really excited to think about money from that perspective
1: yeah it can always come to you and it never ends just like with a river it never ends there's always more there
0: all right what's what's our last self-coaching tip
1: our last one and i would love to hear your thoughts on like how you do this but what if i can organize my money in a way that works for me And I used to shame myself for not being a spreadsheet person. Like I'm not good with those little columns. They feel rigid to me. (laughs) I didn't like checking it all the time. Like I, I really struggled with like the organizing part of money until I figured out a system that worked for me where I kept a notebook and I kept a notes app on my phone and I had a process of checking my accounts regularly. And so that helped me organize my money. And I used to, again, I used to feel bad for not having the fancy spreadsheets that auto populate, you know, formulas to get the numbers that I needed. I used to feel so bad. But when I shamed myself, then I wouldn't look at my money, which made the problem even worse, right. And so I really learned that it's okay, if I can organize my money in a way that works for me, I would love to know how do you organize your money.
0: I love this one, Dale, because I think this is so important. You know, we talk about personal finance being personal, and this is such a great example of it. And I, I often give people lots of different suggestions. If you're not a spreadsheet girl, don't do the spreadsheet. You know, you have to find the system that works. I remember I was working with a client many years ago and they were, you know, I don't, I don't like apps. I don't like spreadsheets. I don't like, you know, you've got to come up with something else that works for me. And what we went to was post-it notes. Like we just used post-it notes as, um, a way to like figure out money flow and to figure out a money system that works. And so, you know, I think there's an element of somehow really knowing where your money is going. So the best way of doing that is to look at the bank statements. And I know that that is a a scary process. But doing it a couple of times, uh, it becomes really natural to you then when you're spending money someplace that you don't normally spend. It's like, okay, so this is going to shift things for me. You know, where do I... Where do I cut back a little or how do I make you know a shift with my spending? So I think there's definitely some sort of an awareness process, but then where you go from there, I, I love that you can you can make it your own that you can tweak a system that you can you know sometimes for me personally I I do use an Excel document, but then I also use an app and and sometimes I use uh, something kind of morphed between those two. So I think it's just really important to find something that works for you because when you do, like what you're saying, that's when you're motivated to stay on top of your money flow. And I I think, again, that doing this a few times, figuring out what works for you, then it's something you don't have to do with uh, a fine-tooth comb every month. Like you have a really good idea of where your money is going. But I think so many of us just get stuck in the place of, well, I don't like a spreadsheet, or well, I don't like an app. So I'm just not gonna do any of that. And then that's what creates the issues around, you know, being able to achieve goals or being able to move forward or gosh, I mean, you know, getting stuck in cycles of of overspending. And um, I, I'm just a big advocate of figure out whatever weird system that works for you and go with that. Do that and Don't feel like you need to apologize to anyone because like you're saying, that's where the shame comes in and that's, you know, we get stuck in that spiral again. And I mean, there's just so many blocks that come up around money that it's just, it's crazy that any of us are ever even able to move forward.
1: I would love to know the post-it strategy. That sounds super, super interesting. But yes, it's all about like, realizing what works for you and just reviewing these like five questions right like what if what's in my bank account is within my control what if debt won't hurt me how can i feel safe regardless of what's in my bank account where can i believe that i can always make more money and what if i can organize my money in a way that works for me like i love the word that you used earlier which was empowerment Like, what if our money is always within our control? And what if we have the power in dictating all aspects of our money, even if we got into debt, even if we're not a spreadsheet person, even if we're a first generation person who's learning about wealth for the very first time, where can we feel empowered?
0: You know, I also do a lot of work around um, money trauma, mm-hmm. and I think it's really interesting that our our brains create these these templates around how we do things, and it's really hard to override that template. It just sort of happens automatically without us thinking. And I think it's it's why we why we do certain things with money, and then afterwards, you're like, why did we do this? Well, it's, it's a little bit sort of hardwired into us and, and not necessarily our fault, you know, but creating these, these conversations and bringing this awareness to our money really helps us really change that. But I think it's so easy to get stuck in a cycle of money drama and um, really kind of catastrophizing things and, and making things way more difficult than they actually are for us. you know. And I, I feel like it, money drama kind of always shows up when we're trying to break through to a new level, when we're trying to do something different, when we're trying to shift our life. Why do you think that happens? I think money's at the center of everything,
1: right? And I think it—I call it pressing buttons, right? It presses all of our buttons, and I think, especially in the society, we can't do anything without money. Is the story that we're fed, is the way that we've even experienced, and so I think it could be exactly the exact experience that you're describing, very activating, right? Very activating, and I think it could also be historical and ancestral, right? Where we are literally bringing in the stories from our parents, our great-grandparents, people we've never met, we're bringing in those experiences as well. Like I remember, um, I think if I understand the stats correctly, like generation X was very spendy with their money. And that's because their parents from um, the generation before where they experienced a great depression, they were very restrictive. And so we're bringing all of these stories into our, our money um, situations and into how we experience money now And I think one of the best things that I did and how I was able to become a millionaire at 27 was really asking myself these questions and putting the ball in my court while also being incredibly kind to myself. When I was frustrated that I spent my savings again, when I was frustrated that I opened up another credit card, when I was frustrated when I didn't hit a sales goal that I wanted to hit. And so I think like just understanding that what if every negative money belief is not yours, right? You picked it up from society. You learned about it from your family. Um, it was taught to you by your parents and then realizing that you will make, I don't even want to call them mistakes for, but for a lack of of a better word mistakes, um, or ways that you could have handled your money better understanding that that happens, but that doesn't have to be the end of your money story. That doesn't have to be the final coffin. Like I remember, getting into credit card debt and believing that there was no way I was going to pay it off. And then one day I did. And so I think it's always believing that you will have those situations from your money past that are super activating, but then realizing that you are in control and you do have the power.
0: I'm glad you brought up gener- generational money beliefs because I, I think those are really powerfully passed down to us. And again, we they just sort of work automatically and we don't even really know what's happening. And you know i was thinking about one of your other mantras that that having more means healing more and i really love that because i was just thinking you know from my own perspective i don't know i've sort of had this feeling a lot of times that having more money specifically because i work in the field of money equals greedy equals you know not a good person and you know so for me i really struggle with that narrative i struggle with helping people and wanting to help people and give them like really important advice and tips versus charging them you know which is like this it, it's just really crazy to me kind of all of the crap that really goes on you know in in my thinking and i i know this happens for for other people i know for women we have a history where just societally, we don't negotiate. Like we really don't know our worth. We play down a lot. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, how do we, how do we heal more? How does having more help us heal more?
1: I think the main thing that it helps us do is it helps us rewrite the story that we don't have enough, right? That we aren't enough as women, as black women, as women of color, that we don't have enough. And so I think earning more and having more helps us heal. It also allows, if we think about generations like you were speaking of, it also allows for us to think about like our ancestors and we are living our ancestors' wildest dreams, right? For a woman to own a bank account is a miracle, right? For us to it's be-
0: Seriously. It's
1: it's revolutionary. Truly Have it is. a credit
0: card. Yeah. And-
1: and to be able to get a mortgage and own her own home, there are so many things where um, women before has, have fought for us to have these experiences. So for us to actually live in that promise and live in the things that they fought for, I think is really, really healing as well. And then I think Having more also just allows us to rewrite the stories that we have about ourselves. Kind of like what I was mentioning before with the credit card debt. Uh, just understanding that for a long time, I had the story that I was just bad with debt, and that I was always going to be in debt. And so when I actually got out of debt, and I was able to pay off those credit cards, and I was able just to have more money in my bank account, that changed the story of who I was. And it didn't make the past version of me bad. I think that's super, super important to acknowledge. That didn't make owed me bad or irresponsible or selfish or not thinking about her future. Um, but it did allow me to have a new identity that I once previously didn't have, which is the person who knows how to have money in her bank account. And so, and I think that old version of me, I think that past version of me, and I'm allowed to heal her and realize with money, I was spending and using credit cards and all of those things from a place that actually had nothing to do with money. Money was just the way that it was presenting at the time, right? It typically had to do with me being stressed, right? Or me having shame over picking a career that involved a lot of student loan debt, but not a big payout, right? Right. All of those things, all those other reasons other than money is the reasons why we spend. And so I think if you're able to have more and earn more, you get to heal those parts of you and create a different version of yourself and a different identity.
0: So kind of taking everything that we've talked about today and in, in these five uh, tips to, to self-coach ourselves, how do we then start to be more empowered to make good habits, to start crushing our life goals. You know, do you have any action steps for us? Like, what do we do from here? Where do we go?
1: Yeah, so I think it starts with having that daily self-coaching practice, where it could be ten to fifteen minutes, and it doesn't mean that you're literally talking to yourself every single day, right? It could be a journaling practice that you have, it could be, uh, you know, a conversation that you have with yourself as you go to work, right? It can be a lot of different things, but I think setting up your mindset at the beginning of the day is super important. I remember before I would work on my side hustle, it would be five o'clock in the morning. I would spend just ten minutes being like, okay what do I want to think about my money today? What do I want to think about my business today? What do I want to think about my life? And so I think having that 10 to 15 minutes at the top of the day is super important. And then I think everyone should also just always have a side of income that they are in full control with, which is a business. I think starting a business is so important and it can be anything small. Like I think about my mom, who is a Montessori teacher, but she's a great interior designer as well. And her co-workers will say, Hey, can you spend the weekend um, going to home goods with me, picking out things for my house? And she charges a few hundred dollars for that. So it doesn't have to be related to your career. It doesn't have to be something where you have to start an Instagram account or a website over. It could be something really small, but thinking about what are all of the skills, literally write them all out. What are all the skills that you have? What are the little things that people have said to you, like, oh, you're really good at this. Could you help me? Even if it's, um, I have a client who's a relationship coach, but she also makes really good empanadas. And so she sells (laughs) empanadas in her neighborhood, right? And so it could be the things that are right under your nose that could provide you an additional income just so that you can start building the belief that you are in control with your money.
0: This episode is like really packed a punch for me. You know, I work in money all day long, so you can imagine that it is really hard for my brain to shut off money thoughts. But the reality is that I think we all have these runaway money thoughts. We just don't talk about them with anyone. And it's hard, whether you're an entrepreneur or working a corporate job, money just feels at this like apex of everything. So, of course, it's going to take up a lot of brain space. But DL's five money questions to ask yourself that she ran through in this episode, I think they're pretty gold. This year, I've really started to practice what I preach. The quote unquote, every thought is a choice. And I'm choosing as best as possible, good money thoughts. And that's what self-coaching is all about. So this is just the tip of the iceberg too, for the wisdom and guidance that DL offers. You can find her on Instagram at DL Sharon. You can check her out on her podcast, Black Banked and Booked Out. And she's also on a new YouTube channel, DL Sharone. I'll have all of that linked in the show notes so you can head over there quickly. Hey, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, we've got this big goal of hitting a thousand reviews this month. So we're just a little short, couple hundred short. So if you could do me a favor, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave an honest review or head to the link in the show notes. That'll take you right there where you can just, uh, it may take you 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 15 seconds. But what it will do is really help the show, help the show grow, help us get higher on the charts so more people can find us and we can get more awesome guests and we can just continue this train forward. So thanks so much. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode.